The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. I want to welcome all of our new listeners this week and returning listeners. Many blessings to you this week. And as many of you know, Pastor Chris and myself, we just recently returned from a trip to the Philippines where we got to hold a number of miracle crusades, leadership conferences, and trainings. And it was really amazing. God continued to work again and again. He really revealed himself. And those of you that supported us, that sent us donations and gifts, just know that that money was certainly put to good use, and it is certainly multiplying after itself again and again and again. And I just want to speak forth now that may those seeds that you've sown, may they multiply again and again in your life, and may you receive a bountiful harvest. Because we truly are in a season of acceleration. God is accelerating the harvest. So I want you to pay attention to any prophetic words, any revelations, anything that God has revealed to you, that God has spoken over you. Don't forget them. Hold them and keep them close to your heart and in your remembrance because God is accelerating manifestations this year in 2019, and we're already seeing it happen all around us. So I'm very excited to be speaking with you again here on the prophetic voice of our time where, of course, we always are sharing new, fresh revelation for you because we don't want to go over stale teachings, stale manna. God always prepares something fresh for us each and every day. I want you to recall when the Israelites were on their journey after they had been freed from bondage from the Egyptians, God rained manna from heaven day by day, right? But if they kept the manna for too long, right, then it became rotten, right? It did not keep. God provides us fresh revelation, fresh manna that is applicable to our day right now. So we're always trying to bring fresh manna to you here on the prophetic voice of our time. So this week, I'm going to be continuing a little bit of the series that I started a couple weeks ago about the journey that we as believers are going through right now. And it's the journey of the believer. So several weeks ago, I talked about how when we begin our journey to the promised land, God begins with giving us a call, right? We receive a call from God. Just like with Abraham, Abraham received a call to leave his father's household to go to a land that God had in store for him. And Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't know the end destination. He just knew that God was calling him out from his father's household. And that's something that's very distinct about the calling that God has for us, because the call will always require us to step out of our comfort zone. Okay, the call is always going to require you to step out of that place that you're comfortable in, the place where you know how to do things, where you've got things figured out, where you've got your plan intact. God's calling for you is going to require you to step out in faith, and it's, it's always the case. But the reason why is because his plan for your life is so much greater than any plan that you have for your own life. And that's something to keep in mind when you think about the call of Abraham. What did God say to Abraham? He said, leave your father's household to a land that I will show you. 
I will make you a great nation, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. Okay, now I imagine what kind of plan Abraham had for his own life, right? He probably just wanted to have a family, some kids, financial stability, you know, some land to call his own, right? But God said, no, I want you to be a blessing to the whole world, to all generations through all time. And that concept is so much greater than anything Abraham had for himself. And in the same way, God's plan for you is so much greater than anything that you've planned for yourself. So keep that in mind. He loves you even more than you can imagine. So you can trust in his love for you. So if you missed that broadcast a couple weeks ago, then I recommend that you go to our website when you get the chance. That is SOGMI.org. That is SOGMI.org. Hit teachings and podcasts, and you can find that episode, The Journey of the Believer, Part 1, Receiving the Call. And that's the first part of this series that I'm going on, and it's probably going to be a total of three parts. Okay, so we know that for us right now, we're on a journey, and the first step is receiving the call. Sometimes God is going to call you out, and he's going to pull you out of your comfort zone so that you can do something even greater. Now, mind you, after Abraham received the call, he journeyed out and followed God, even though he didn't know where he was going, okay? And that brings us to the second stage of this journey. So once we answer the call, we, we journey through the wilderness, okay? When the Israelites, when they were freed from the captivity of the Egyptians, right, and God performed all these miracles, they went across the sea on dry land, what happened? They journeyed through the wilderness, on their way to the promised land. And this is the next stage that we as believers, many of us are actually in this stage right now. So what is the wilderness and what's its significance? Now, the wilderness is basically the transitional journey from the area where we were comfortable to the promised land. And it's a training period for us to hear from God, to rely on God, to listen to God and hear from him so that we will trust him in everything that we do. When the Israelites journeyed through the wilderness. By day, they had a pillar of cloud leading them where to go, right? And at nighttime, they had a pillar of fire leading them where to go as well, right? So what is this teaching them? They don't know where they're going, but God is showing them the way step by step. So in this wilderness journey, they are being trained to follow and obey and rely on God in the same way right? The Israelites were trained to rely on God because each and every day he provided food for them, right? He provided water from them, from the rock. He rained manna from heaven. That is reliance on God for their sustenance, okay? So I want to start with the scripture here, and this is shortly after the Israelites had been freed from captivity from Egypt, and this is Exodus chapter 16, starting with verse 2. So, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out to this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Now I want you to imagine this for just a second. Here God, through Moses, freed them from captivity and slavery. And now they're grumbling and saying, well, it'd be better if we had just died 
back in Egypt. It'd be better if we were just slaves again. Why? Because at least we still had meat and at least we still had bread as we were slaves. Can you imagine that mindset? But why were they complaining? Because the only way that they knew how to receive food, the only way that they knew how to receive nourishment and water was through being slaves to the Egyptians. Okay. They still had a slave mentality, even though God wanted them to be conquerors, right? Because when they're led into the promised land, they're going to have to overthrow nations and overthrow kingdoms, right? Because what awaits them in the promised land? There's giants there. There are fortresses like the city of Jericho awaiting them. So God has to train the Israelites to stop being slaves, stop thinking like slaves, and to start being conquerors, start acting like kings, Okay, but being a slave is all they knew before. So they were thinking, oh, it'd be better if we were just slaves again, because at least we had food. (laughs) Imagine that mindset. At least we had food. And you have to understand for us on this journey throughout most of our life, we've been living in the world system. We've been living according to the Babylonian system. And in the Babylonian system, the world's way, we knew how to get food. We knew how to get our nourishment. We knew how to do things. We knew how to figure things out, how to live life, okay? But when God calls us out of that system, when we receive salvation, when we start going on our Christian journey to the promised land, we have to leave behind that system that we were a slave to in the past, But that also means we have to relearn how to do things. Well, God, I don't know how to get food anymore. I don't know how to get water anymore. And obviously, this isn't always literal, but it's metaphorical in that we have to allow God to reteach us how to live life no longer according to the world system, no longer according to the sinful nature that enslaved us, but according to God's leading, okay? So the Israelites were complaining because they only knew how to get food. They only knew how to get water when they were still slaves. They did not know how to rely on God to provide their own sustenance, to get nutrition from him. So they were grumbling, okay? And they said, if only we had died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt, and when we sat by pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So understand this, is that before we can enter the promised land, God has to know that we will rely on him, that we will obey him, that we will follow his instructions, that we will follow his leading before we can enter the promised land. Okay. And I want you to think about this because God didn't intend for the Israelites to be in the wilderness for 40 years. That was never his intention, right? It only took a couple weeks for them to get there to the land of Canaan. And then Moses had them send spies out into the land of Canaan. And what happened? All the spies became fearful. Why? Because there were giants in the land, right? They said that we are just like insects to them, that they tower over us. How can we ever hope to defeat them? Why do they still have this mindset? Because they still thought like slaves. They still thought like those people that were oppressed. And so all of those spies had that mindset except for two, 
Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones who were able to trust in God. Okay, And I want you to see this differing mindset, right? So God told the Israelites, I have given the land of Canaan to you. That is your promised land. Two of the spies heard that word of the Lord and took it at face value, right? They said, wow, that's amazing. And what did they see? They said, the land is fruitful, right? It's flowing with milk and honey. Surely God will deliver it into our hands, right? But the rest of the spies, they did not take the word of the Lord at face value. Instead, they saw the obstacles that lay before them. Okay, they saw the giants and they became fearful because they did not have the mind of a king. They had the mind of a slave. So because of that, God had to send the Israelites back into the wilderness. Why? To undergo that training period of listening to God, relying on God. And once that period was over and God had to wait a whole generation, God had to wait a whole generation. Once that period was over, then the Israelites were able to enter the promised land. Okay, and... That's one thing that many Christians have this misconception about the promised land because they think you arrive in the promised land, and I'm going to talk about this more in the future, you arrive in the promised land and then suddenly everything's okay. But that's not true. When the Israelites entered the promised land, what happened? Conquest began. They waged war against giants, right? They had to topple strongholds like Jericho, okay? So that's not the beginning. But the wilderness is a training ground for us. But at the same time, the wilderness is not supposed to be suffering, a lot of Christians have this mindset when, when things are going wrong, when they can't hear from God, oh, I'm having a wilderness experience. Oh, I'm having a wilderness experience, right? And then they prostrate themselves about their suffering for the Lord. The wilderness experience is not something about suffering. It's not that, oh, you can't hear from God, okay? Because when the Israelites journeyed through the wilderness, they heard from God. God manifested himself in pillars of cloud by day and pillars of fire by night. God made water come forth from the rock. God made manna rain from heaven. Okay? If you can't hear from God because you're in sin or because you haven't been listening to him, that's not the wilderness experience. It's not. The wilderness experience is part of our adventure and our journey with God. It's, it's part of us stepping out in faith and discovering new things. I want you to imagine how amazing this journey would be that you just went across the sea on dry land, okay, and now you're following a pillar of cloud in the daytime. Wow, that's so amazing. If, if that happened today, right, everybody would be taking selfies, everybody posting on Snapchat or Facebook, right, with their friends and family. Look at what happened today. It'd be a spectacle, okay? And then same thing, there's, there's bread raining from heaven, right? We never have to worry about food because we can trust in God. That's what the wilderness experience is about. It's about God showing you, hey, you can rely on me. Okay, you can trust in me, rely on me on a day by day basis, right? Because the manna, it doesn't last longer than God allots it to. So each day God gives you manna in the morning, right? And that manna will sustain you for that day. And then the next day God will give you new manna, okay? That's part of the wilderness experience. The wilderness experience is your training ground. This is where you're discovering how to rely on God and you're purging the slave mentality out of your mind, and you're purging the world system out of your mind, okay? Because that's what's going to happen when you're in the wilderness, is you're going to have to confront whether you're going to do things God's way, which is relying on God, allowing God to lead you, or you're going to do things the world's way, according to the sinful nature. And I'm going to show you another example of this, and this happens with Jesus himself, 
Okay, so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 4, I believe. Yes, it's Matthew chapter 4. Now, in chapter 3, what happens? John the Baptist has been declaring to prepare the way of the Lord, and then Jesus appears before John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is shocked, right? He says, well, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me, right? But Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up from the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so this was God affirming the call in Jesus, that this is the Son of God. He is affirming the call for all to see. Now, what happened? Because Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet, right? He went to John the Baptist first. Right after, Jesus is baptized, and God reaffirms, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Where does Jesus go? Chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So you see, Jesus is undergoing a similar journey. He has to answer the call. He is going to the wilderness. And we're going to show the significance of this. And then after Jesus finishes the wilderness, what does he start doing? That's when his ministry starts. But before I get too far ahead of myself, so we know Jesus is being led into the wilderness now, right? So Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what is this predicament that's coming before Jesus? Just like the Israelites, Jesus was stricken with hunger, and he is met with a choice, right? The tempter comes, and he wants to make Jesus seek after that bread, seek after that sustenance according to the sinful nature, according to the world system, right, which Satan controls. So Jesus can choose now whether he's going to rely on the world system, as in go to the sinful nature, or whether he's going to rely on God's ways of doing things, right? And Jesus chooses God's ways of doing things. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. So we see here Satan uses three different examples where he's inviting Jesus to rely on the world system that Satan runs. Okay, And each time Jesus chooses to rely on God's ways of doing things. And in the wilderness, see, for us, that is, that's what it's like. We were given a choice. Am I going to go back? Because for us, we were born in the sinful nature, right? Jesus had to die on the cross so that we can be saved from slavery to our sinful nature. 
And in the wilderness, we are given the choice. Am I going to rely on the world system, on my sinful nature, or am I going to rely on God? Am I going to rely on God concerning my food, like the bread, right? Am I going to rely on God concerning my dreams and aspirations, right? We know that Satan presented the whole earth, all the kingdoms of the world to him. He said, if you just bow down to me, I will give this to you. But Jesus also knows, right, that he's the son of God. So according to God's system, Jesus would already have authority over all those kings and kingdoms and nations, right? But Jesus had to do it God's ways of doing things, just like us. So in the same way, on our way to the promised land, we will be tempted, right? For some of us, our promised land is the entertainment industries. For some of us, our promised land is the business sector, the financial sector, okay? And we are going to be met with, with a temptation that the entertainment industry can be given to you if you only do it according to the world system, if you only do it according to the Babylonian system that Satan rules. But God has already said, I have given that land to you, right? But we have to choose to do it God's way. And then as soon as Jesus passed that temptation, right, what happened? God provided. He sent angels and angels fed him. Angels attended to him and he didn't have to worry. Understand that's what the wilderness journey is like. It's our training ground to rely on God. We have to, that's when we're going to choose to forsake the world's ways of doing things. That's when we're going to choose to rely on God. And if we don't do that, if we don't choose God's ways of doing things over the world's ways of doing things, we're not going to be able to enter the promised land, which is the next step in our journey as believers. So we have the call, we have the wilderness journey, and then we have the conquest of the promised land. And we know right after Jesus left the wilderness, what happened? He started his ministry. He took his disciples and he had to butt heads, right, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He had to face the cross, right? He was answering his call and fulfilling his purpose for us. In the same way, when you are waging war and doing conquest of the promised land, and answering the call gave you, you are going to be fulfilling that perfect call that God has for you. But I encourage you, root out now, uproot any elements that are from the world system in your life. Any, any part of your mind that is still part of the slave mentality, part of the mentality that is oppressed, downtrodden, remove it now and replace it with the mentality of a king, okay? Because a king knows how to build up a kingdom, a king knows how to slay giants. A king knows how to tear down strongholds. That's the mindset that we need, and we have to rely on God. I know I keep saying this, but the Israelites, their ability to enter the promised land was delayed by 40 years because they did not uproot the old system from their mindset. They could not uproot that slave mentality in their mind. Do not allow your manifestation to be delayed in your life. Do not allow it. We have to allow God to lead us and guide us. And it comes from relying on him on a day-by-day basis. Amen. And just to reiterate, change the way you think about the wilderness experience because the wilderness experience is not a time when you can't hear from God and you're suffering and everything's hard. Is having manna rain from heaven, is that hard? Is being led where to go by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night hard? Is having water come forth from the rock 
when you need it, when you're thirsty? Is that hard? No. But it's teaching you to rely on God. So if you are having trouble hearing from God, then repent and seek him out. The scripture tells us, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So if you're having trouble hearing from God, seek him out and he can't help himself. He cannot help himself but to reveal himself to you. But we have to finish going through this wilderness journey so that, and we have to prove ourselves. We have to show that we are faithful and that God can trust us. Because as soon as we are shown that we can be trusted, God is going to lead us right into the promised land. And that's when exciting things are going to happen. That's when we're going to see the education system transformed. That's when we're going to see politics transformed. That's when we're going to see entertainment, places like movies, television, video games, completely transformed. But it starts with us, the church. We have to answer the call and allow God to train us, lead us, and guide us, and uproot the world system in your mind. Completely remove that weed that is in your heart. Amen? Well, we are about out of time. Again, if you are enjoying this radio program, visit our website, We've got episodes of this broadcast that you can listen to whenever you want. We've got videos. We do live streams every week. And as well, if you are enjoying this radio program, if this program is blessing you, then why don't you pledge your support to our program this week? Because it's people like you that choose to donate and support us every month that help us keep this radio program growing. And keep it going. So if you want to support us or you want to listen to more, go to our website, sogmi.org. Again, that is www.sogmi.org. And you can go to sogmi.org slash donate. You click the donate button and every donation goes to helping us expand our ministry reaches, build up this radio program and reach more people. But as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless you.